Chris. That's hey, it. thanks for having Chris me. Chris Rusakos, right? That's, That's right. your last name. Um, so today we're going to get to know Chris and a little bit of his history, background, what he does, mindset, career ventures, maybe some travel stuff too because you have been yeah. out and about around and traveled yeah, I've done my fair share. To, to a lot of different places. So... Who are you and what do you do? Uh, Chris Rosakos, I've been, I'm a storyboard artist, currently storyboard supervisor at nice. uh, Industrial Brothers. Dope, dope. Uh, been doing boards for the last, on and off for the last five-ish years. And before that I did about two and a half, three years as a 3D layout artist. Nice. To kind of get my start in the industry. So you've been in the industry for eight years almost. About. I started mm. April 2013. Is, mm-hmm. is kind of when I when I entered. So when you entered the industry, did you know what you were getting into, or was it? Uh, in what way? In terms of uh, because the way our industry works is like there's different departments, right? So you were a 3D layout artist in the beginning, but then you transitioned to the storyboard artist. Yeah. So I always knew, um, going way back, that storyboard artist was kind of what I wanted to be. That was mm-hmm. always the track I was heading towards. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, basically as soon as I found out storyboard artist was a job, I was like, okay, that's the thing I want to go for. And as I was in school, I gradually learned that if I really wanted to get a handle on, you know, camera placement and staging and, and the kind of film language that I would need to be a successful board artist, right. I realized, okay, then maybe I should get my start into layout first. That's really right. get my teeth, uh, like, get my feet wet and learn the fundamentals of visual storytelling that you'd need for that job. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I could then transition in once I felt mm-hmm. I had learned what I needed to learn in layout. That's kind of what I did. That's dope. One thing I noticed about our industry in general, so we're in the animation industry, I'm a 3D design artist, storyboard artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of the layout department, a lot of people undermine it, but it is very important. It, and So I did layout for a little bit as mm-hmm. a, like a transitionary period, and as you mentioned, you get an idea as, as far as directing goes yeah and pretty much directing everything and sometimes you do get bored sometimes you don't yeah but having that understanding is very important and those people that do that job are they kind of like swiped swept under the rug in terms of like how important they are or the role that they play at in the entire production mm-hmm. as a whole but it's tough it's not, it's yeah no you're 100 percent <laughs> right it's a yeah. it's a it's very um uh, what's the what's the word? I just had it. Um, people people swipe it under the rug. People don't give it to do. It's very mm-hmm. much a linchpin. Uh, They're not position. as appreciated as they should be. Exactly. That's, that's it, what I wanted to it's say. Su- it's a super important important uh, role in in any production because after script and storyboard, all that stuff, that's the first step in the actual production right. of a of any kind of TV show or movie or anything. That's when they're sitting there and they're getting the boards that have been drawn in two D. Mm. You have, that's the job that has to figure out, okay, what from that can we take and interpret They're and make it They're literally the, the architects of the, se- the shots and the sequences. Absolutely. And then the animators go in and do the, their thing afterwards. Everyone's working from the lay- from what the layout artist did from mm-hmm. that point forward up through the comp, basically. And they're the ones who make sure that what the board artist did and what the writers did actually works. Translates into 3D. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they don't get nearly enough credit as they should. It's a... It's, 
it's a really important job and a little thankless. So did you reason. always know you were going to be in the animation industry growing up? Or? Uh, I didn't know exactly animation, but I knew something about that. Basically, since I, I was like three years old and I picked up a pencil. Actually, I was like, yeah, 100%. Years. When I was a kid, um, my parents had bought it, me and my brother. We had these like VHS tapes that had like... They're like bootleg ones from like Honest Eds or whatever. That had like they'd have like fifty cartoons on them, all on oh, these VHSs, okay. and it'd be like old school stuff from like the twenties, thirties, and forties. It had that's how I saw like really old Bugs Bunny and like Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck cartoons that wouldn't play on like TV. That's mm -hmm. how I saw like old Popeye stuff, uh, Felix the Cat, mm -hmm. uh, Betty Boop, stuff like that. Those old Fleischer Studios Superman uh, shorts from right. from the early forties. Mm -hmm. I saw those. And basically, I was like, okay, I want to do that. And sometimes it was flipping back between, okay, do I want to do comics? Do I just want to do mm -hmm. illustration? Mm -hmm. All I knew was cartoons, cartoons, cartoons. And then eventually, when I realized, oh, you can go to school, and you can actually... So, so when you were in high school, did you know like which college or university you were going to enroll to? No. No? no, no, no. I found out... Uh, in my last semester that Sheridan was a thing Jeez. and like Seneca <laughs> and stuff I had put no thought towards it right. uh, I was not the best like most dedicated the thing uh, is when you're when you're in high school and I guess middle school you have no idea nobody kind of guides you in the proper direction yeah. in terms of like but nobody most people don't even have an idea of what it is that they want to get into right right and so that, like you mentioned too, the same thing for me in my last year that's when I was like it was like either accounting architecture uh, engineering mm-hmm or animation like <laughs> and then same thing i didn't know that existed in yeah. terms of a career choice i always knew it was going to be art related uh, mm. but i didn't know what form it was going to take because up to that point the only art school i knew about was ocad mm -hmm. but i knew i didn't want to do gallery art i never was interested in that i just wanted to draw cartoons or whatever so this was in what 2009 2007 2008 okay and uh yeah then I struck up a conversation with a teacher randomly one day, like after class, and that was like, "Oh, why don't you go to Sheridan? They, they, that's where like Disney gets half." This was back when they had that reputation that like Disney picks all their people from there and stuff, right? right? Them and CalArts, and I was like, "Okay, yeah, oh, that sounds great. I'll apply to Sheridan," mm -hmm. and I did not get in. Were you didn't get in? No. So uh, what was the process, and why didn't you get in? Well, uh, I left like... my portfolio to the night before it was due. Oh, buddy. And I submitted it. And then obviously I didn't get in, but I had mm. no idea like how to do life drawing or anything at that point. I wasn't a great painter. Oh, I was yeah. a pretty good draftsman for high school. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, um, I didn't put in the work that I needed to. I was right. not the best student. And then uh, I ended up getting the art. Uh, so they let me into art fundamentals instead. Right. So I figured, I was, okay, I'll go yeah. there. I'll learn everything I need to do. I'll build a portfolio and I'll apply. That's just how they milk more money out of you, bro. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I yeah. actually did the same thing. I had to take fine arts, the same thing. Yeah. Uh, in terms of building a portfolio. That's yeah. how they get you there. Did you find that anything that you actually learned on it was mm, useful? I'd say yes, though, to be honest. Yeah? Yeah. Well, like life drawing, for example, anatomy, mm -hmm. color theory, um, just like a deeper understanding of... Mm, I guess theories as in regards to right. being creative, right? Whereas before it's like I like to do this this way, and it's right. like more all over the place. So you did art fundamentals are shared, and then which program were you in? Because there's two different ones, right? There's, uh, there's a four-year a four-year animation program, and there's a two-year one, right? There's the four-year animation program, and then <coughs> fundamentals they have the one year, which mm -hmm. is the one I did, and then there's a two-year, I believe. And if you finish the with the one year and you don't get into animation again i think they offer to give you the two year so you end up uh, spending like some people spend like three years 
basically trying to get into yeah so i'm just trying to make my portfolio <laughs> <laughs> yeah um fundies was kind of um it was a bit of a waste Be- on your end on my yeah. end i can't speak to anybody else's um experience doing it but yeah. for me I found because I was so specific in what I wanted to do, no, like going in, right, I knew exactly right, what right. I wanted. I found that all the they had a bunch of different like they had a wide range of things where they were trying to cover you in case you wanted to go into architecture, or you wanted to go into you know, mm-hmm. glass blowing or whatever. Uh, like yeah, one guy actually did go into that for really? a year. Yeah, he he went to like one of the the studios that they had there. Mm-hmm. Tried they let him try it out once and that was it. He was done. And he's he doing he it found his passion. Exactly. So he's a successful glass blower right now. As far as I the last time I heard, yeah. That's dope. But in my case, um, <laughs> it wasn't the case. I did have one class that I really loved, which is a painting class and a color theory class, yeah. which was the first time I really got to break down and understand that. Mm-hmm. And But then, like, everything else I learned pretty quickly. It wasn't really my bag. And I was kind yeah. of a slacker at the time, too, yeah, so yeah, I was yeah. hardly ever at class. I was more out enjoying myself. Yeah, no, now that you mention it, yeah, there, there was a couple classes on my end as well that I found beneficial, but for the most part, it was a waste. I'm not yeah. going to lie. I had this one class, like, you had to take extra ones. It was, like, about fallacies. Oh, were you one of the electives? Electives. Yeah. I'm like, what does this have to do with uh, my art career <laughs> in the future? Yeah. I was writing essays, and, like, I was like, yeah. I don't understand. Um, so you got out of Sheridan, and then... So you graduated, and then how difficult was it at the time? Oh, to I, did, I didn't go it? to Sheridan in the end. I ended up going to Seneca. Oh, okay, so you transitioned. I did, I did my one year, mm-hmm. and then, because I'm an idiot, I left my portfolio to the last minute again again and i submitted it the next the day after i did it right didn't get in again uh this time i decided i was going to take a gap year to just Mm. work because Mm -hmm. i slacked off so much i realized i didn't have the discipline necessary to go into this industry Mm -hmm. and to go into and to really just you know add a little bit too much freedom all at once and i took advantage of it so i took a year off just worked 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 nonstop, and then i applied again this time I got in, but I also applied to she- to Seneca at this point, and Seneca I found was closer. I could, you know, it was going to mm-hmm. be cheaper for me, and it was only three years versus four, and mm-hmm. I don't like wasting time, so or what feels like wasting time. So I figured, okay, I can get out a couple years or like a year or two earlier mm-hmm. and stuff, and so that's what I, I mean. Ended up you're doing. here now, and you're a supervisor in yeah. the storyboard department, so that that worked out because hindsight is twenty twenty. Exactly, and <laughs> you are where you are for a reason. Yeah, so that's dope. So you did the, the program at Seneca, and then, so you finish schooling, mm-hmm. you come out with whatever degree, diploma, whatever it is that you get, then what? Well, uh, at, one of the things that was great about Seneca is all the friends that I made and stuff, mm-hmm. they were all, they're all like my peers now and stuff, and a lot of the networking that I did there through like professors and stuff mm-hmm. has greatly benefited me since. Um, when... When I was in my last year, we had the option to do a animation port, uh, portfolio uh, with like 3D animation, or uh, I think you could do like a lighting one, or you could do like a, um, a rigging one, I mm-hmm. think, or a modeling one. Those were kind of your three options, and uh, I didn't want to do any of those. I, I knew at that point I'd kind of got into my head that layout was kind of be my ticket into storyboarding. All right. So I ended up striking up a conversation with my professor, who had been my layout professor there, and uh, he had I knew he worked there at Guru, he was getting ready to start the first season of Paw Patrol. Mm-hmm. And so I made him really, really, I made him know that I was really, really hungry to, you know, get into layout, get into layout. And mm-hmm. he had an internship coming up at Guru. And 
that's how I got in. Basically, I talked to him and he's like, okay, when you graduate, come talk to me. Mm -hmm. And then I graduated and a week later, I got a call from the producers over there and they're like, hey, so, we heard you want, a, you want a spot on the layout team. And I managed to sneak in and get my foot in. That's awesome. Yeah, so it really worked out. The power of networking and connections. Yeah, and being sincere too. Yeah, you know? well, work speaks for itself too. And if you're genuine and you're passionate about what mm -hmm. you do, people realize that, right? Yeah. And then they want to include those type of people and opportunities that arise. Yeah. I think there's a danger with networking where, where you think, okay, you only see them as like the relationship that you, that right. works out, right, like, right, like right, that can right. benefit you down the line. But if you come at it as like from like an actual sincere space and stuff, people can read it. But those type mm -hmm. of people stand out because right? it's <laughs> yeah. sort of thumb, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, in, intent, intent is definitely mm -hmm. yeah but I, I mean from a survivability standpoint everybody's looking to benefit from sure like a community-based uh just like everybody's bringing something to the table right yeah but yeah I, I understand what you mean in regards to someone that's like eager to be like yo you want to be friends you know? yeah yeah just because yeah. they see like oh what you can do for them uh, or something yeah, yeah you can't you, ever you need be like to, that you need to separate yourself from those <laughs> yeah. <type of> people <laughs> So how do you like it so far in the industry? Six, seven, eight, seven, eight, almost a decade, right? Yeah, get up there. Up there, yeah. It's it's like any job and any passion has had its ups and downs, and I'm sure mm -hmm. you can attest to, right? Yeah. There are times when it feels like, man, I can't wait to get to work every day. It's this I'm living my dream. It feels great. And then there are times where it feels like a job and mm -hmm. feels like a slog. Mm -hmm. And that's that kind of ebb and flow of it is kind of I think pretty par for the course I'm pretty sure everybody goes through it mm -hmm. but overall like I can't imagine what I'd be doing otherwise like this was always been my track since I was like a little kid Man, that's amazing uh, yeah. even in, in from my perspective when I got into this industry like you mentioned there's has been downs mm -hmm. where I'm like okay this is grinding yeah. nine to five it's a struggle but it does pay off and there have been days where you reach that point where you are working on something and you're like, I'm getting fucking paid for this. Yeah, exactly. And, but that's how you know you've made it in an industry that you're passionate about, right? When mm -hmm. you are working and it doesn't feel like work anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I would say after being in the industry for almost a decade now, it's like mm, planting seeds in different departments, different things outside of the industry is important as well if you want to. Because yeah. now you have that type of... Um, I want to say, like people look up to you in, in regards to, okay, this guy's a well-renowned storyboard artist mm -hmm. or whatever Perfect. whatever field that you're in, right? So now you have, what would you say, experience, clout, like whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. right? So you can start your own thing on the side. Or, do you do freelance and stuff? Or? A little bit. Um, yeah. Here and there, it depends on what it is. Um, I'm one of those guys that I don't like doing the same thing for more than 40 hours a week. Mm -hmm. I, always, I need diverse yeah. kind of hobbies. So uh, when I realized I was getting a little bored of drawing because I was doing it so much in my daytime, I figured, all right, let me pick up a camera and start figuring out photography. Right. Um, you know, I picked up an instrument, you mm. know, to try and learn how to play, things like that. Stuff that are still creative and get that kind of scratch that creative itch, mm -hmm. but aren't related to my day job is yeah. what I've found has been the, the best like outlet for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Creative expression. Yeah. I, I feel like we're very privileged in regards to being in an industry, first of all, but at the same time, being the type of people that are fueling those creative desires because mm -hmm. right? a lot of people I know they're in industries that 
it's like the system, like and whatever it is, um, engineering or mm-hmm. accounting or things where it's like very redundant. I I know some of my relatives and stuff. They are passionate about their jobs and stuff. But then there's the other ones where, it's, like you mentioned before, it's a nine to five grind. Yeah. But then when there isn't any creative output and you're not getting anything out of it, it's like what's the point? Yeah. Because then you're just a cog in the wheel at the end of the exactly. day. Exactly. Right? And I feel like the people who get trapped in that, those are like the guys that get end up in those kind of grindy nine to five jobs and they end up getting miserable at it. It's because mm-hmm. they're not finding that other thing outside of work to kind of right. be fuf- get fulfilled from. So whether it's some kind of hobby or whatever. And obviously, like so I where, can, where do you think that motivation and inspiration comes from? That drive for you to pick up a camera or to like explore different creative outlets? Boredom. Boredom? Boredom. I, no, but what, what, what gives you that little bit of a nudge to be like, all right, I'm going to do this? Or, well, for me... I I always like just the self improvement. I I'm, Dude, like, that's a very sorry. That's dope. Yeah, yeah no, that's a very big it. thing for me. I always if I'm not bettering myself, and it, mm-hmm. maybe it's from being like a shitty teenager and stuff, but like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like trying to make up for yeah, lost you time. You need to have a contrast point, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's like you know whether I can get in better shape or mm-hmm. I can pick up a new hobby, a new skill. Um, mm-hmm. Even if it's something just as small as like read, find making dedicating the time to like read more or something like that that mm. kind of constant need to improve myself is a constant drive and especially when i feel like i hit a particular plateau with work mm-hmm. finding that outside of work is i find is really really important mm-hmm. i don't like feeling stagnant personally i don't like feeling like my wheels are just spinning and i'm not right. really getting anywhere so that that's where my kind of drive for all this stuff comes but from. But having that level of introspection and awareness to be like, all right, I need to change something is important too. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's that's to a to. skill in itself, of, in of itself as well. Yeah. When you realize that, okay, I'm getting bored, but it's not because it's more of a mindset thing that I need mm-hmm. to explore different things, not just drop everything. Because in today's generation, in regards to instant gratification, people don't stick around for very long in regards, like they take everything for granted. They want everything. Yeah. Where they don't understand the grind and the, the slow grind and the long-term results. The that, patience that, The that's patience that, that comes yeah. with everything. Um, so yeah, and, and even I feel like on my end growing up, whether it's the gym or whatever, like specific games have played a part. Yeah. And my mind says, well, and leveling up in, in regards to right. skill sets and stuff like that, because you can translate that. It's like the the game of life almost, right? Right. It's like, and then you notice that when, okay, you practice drawing for like a couple hours every evening, mm-hmm. your skill level will increase. Whereas when some people, when they're younger, like family members or whatever, I remember, they'll be like, oh, you're so good at this. It's like, I didn't get good at this overnight. There's time invested Yes, I had some interest in it from the first yeah. place, but then they discount something like whatever, painting, drawing, music, or whatever is anything creative because they're like, I can't do that at all because I'm I'm not born with that gift. That is the most infuriating thing to right. me. I hate when people say that, oh, I wish I could draw like that. I'm like, pick up a pencil and start drawing. That's all it is. They're like, no, 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 no. People have people have natural talent. Have, yeah. Yeah. That's an excuse that I think people give it's not, to it's get a fe- over it. It's fear-based mindset as well, right? They're like, okay, I'm shit. But they don't have that understanding that if you whatever it is that you put your mind to if you have enough dedication mm-hmm. and discipline you can increase your skill level yeah, it's just it's practice right practice it's, just, yeah. it's and it's finding the motivation like or the interest in it to want to sit yeah. there and practice it remember that website called deviant art yeah yeah so there was a forum on that website i don't know if the website still exists and i would it's look at there. it it's, it's still, still there, there. 
there was one thread where it showed specific artists that draw every single day. It was a thing, it's like a year of mm -hmm. everyday drawings. And I'd always go, it'd show the latest posts first, and then you'd go to their first initial mm -hmm. post, and it would be some like scrappy, like weird sketch. And then the, the one that they did a year later would be some like fully fleshed out, colored, like mm -hmm. Warcraft style. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. That's just from a year of like dedicated practice, right? Um, but as you mentioned, it's like having that mindset where it's like, I want to become strong, I want to become mm -hmm. better. And you apply that to different aspects of life. Uh, you have infinite potential when it comes to that, right? It's just a matter yeah. of where you dedicate your time and energy and then... Yeah, and I think the people who just don't typically, now I'm generalizing here, but like mm -hmm. the people who typically, who maybe haven't found that thing yet, it's just because yeah. they haven't tried enough things. You know, everybody, there's always going to be something that right. you're going to catch and it's going gonna, it's gonna to spark your way, even if it's something like getting really good at a game on Xbox or yeah, something like that you still can stream it on Twitch and make money <laughs> exactly <laughs> which is crazy man. yeah like it could be your cooking or baking or, or whatever man fucking I don't know hacky sack or some shit mm -hmm. like and it's just you just gotta throw yourself at a bunch of things and see what sticks so now that you've been in the industry for this long in terms of your other creative ventures do you want to expand those things or are you just doing it as a hobby right now for me those are hobbies okay i, I kind of know my track and obviously there's i have other career goals and stuff that i want to get to beyond mm -hmm. where i'm at right now All right but i don't want to one thing that i found and i can't speak to anybody else but for me i found that when i turned drawing into a job it made me want to draw less at home and it's because i was drawing so much right. as work and i kind of associated with that right um <laughs> so like with the camera and with like I don't know, the keyboard and, and stuff mm -hmm. like that, other things that I've picked up in the meantime, I kind of want to keep them as hobbies, kind of want to keep them pure to a degree because I don't want to lose the mad, that, that special drive for them too. Right. For me, the minute something, maybe it's because like, I hated doing homework when I was a kid mm -hmm. and, when I, and I, I don't want to turn these hobbies into feeling like homework. Right. So that's kind of where I am at with it. If I, I want to do freelance, I can always do storyboards for freelance or something right, or right. illustrations or... But it's, it's, it's actually weird though it's because it's like a mental decision that we make in that regard where mm -hmm. it's like okay because i've been drawing but if you can trick yourself in a way where you're like let me remember the passion that i had yeah. pri prior to getting the job that i'm in and do it, then you can still do it at home oh yeah um because like for example i did daily 3d artwork for a long time and same thing i was modeling i, I was modeling at work and then mm -hmm. when i'd get home i'd be like i've been doing this all day do i really want to sit on a computer but then that thought in itself i'm like let me see if i can conquer this mm -hmm. it was a challenge more so and then when you kind of hack that yeah. then things get interesting and then it's like you become above average in a sense where it's like where people usually are like i'm going to draw the line yeah you kind of try to push to see what happens um, but I understand where you're coming from because the same thing that those are the thoughts that we battle with every day right? Yeah, like, and, I, and I'm kind of starting to get into it now or like I finally maybe it's because I, I went away for a little bit I took a little bit of a sabbatical from the, from the charge industry. your batteries. Yeah, kind of so I came back feeling a little recharged because I've been burnt out for a while mm -hmm. and Now I'm like starting to like draw a little bit at home like I have an idea a couple of ideas that I'm working for through for um like so a little to board out a couple of storyboard sequences one for like a short and mm -hmm. stuff i don't know what it, uh if i'd ever take it past boards like but your own yeah just okay. like a little personal project and i hadn't had personal projects for a while yeah. so i'm trying to that's like, very get important that point. though yeah. like doing your own stuff yeah like as much as working for the man is all right pays the bills and everything and you might even be working on something passion you're passionate about mm -hmm. and then you're working with the company and as a community you're growing together yeah. but having your own stuff 
right? it brings a different level of fulfillment and satisfaction, mm -hmm. which is very important. And that applies to everybody else that, even outside the creative industry, it's like you need to have something to have that creative outlet. Yeah. Um, even if it isn't creative, if it's something that aren't redundant or whatever. Yeah. Getting away at uh, In my case, I've been grinding and grinding and grinding for about five years before I bothered to take a vacation. Mm -hmm. And so actually getting away for a little bit and kind of helped me. You refresh your perspective on how you see Yeah, let me just kind of step back from everything and kind of relearn my love of everything again. Yeah. And so when I came back, I how was. How long were I was gone for three months, and it was okay. just nothing but backpacking, basically, the entire Jeez. time. How was that? <laughs> Good. It was great. Uh, especially coming off of, like, I, from when I graduated to about 2017, I hadn't taken a single vacation. I was here working nonstop. From when you graduated to 2017, so about five years? About, yeah, yeah, five or six. And I went to Peru, and that was kind of fun. Saw Machu Picchu and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then there was some drama on that trip, so it didn't really feel like a relaxing kind of step away from everything. Did you go by yourself? No, no, I went with a group of friends, and uh, okay. not everybody was compatible to be together on the trip. Yeah. So that kind of sucked the fun out of it. So I came back almost more stressed than I left, really? and then another couple of years hit by. So this past spring, I decided, uh, even though a couple of other positions, like my contract was ending in April, and mm -hmm. then I... There were a couple things that were coming up my way work-wise that I could have taken. Mm -hmm. I decided, no, I need to just step away from everything for a bit because I wasn't in a, I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really needed to reset my battery. So I just kind of hopped on a plane and I was just dicking around in Asia for, for three months. <laughs> it, was, it was nothing but my camera and my sketchbook and a couple of watercolors and uh, everything that I could carry on a, one backpack and that was it. So what do you take on a backpacking trip that's three months long? <laughs> How do you even plan it? Like, okay, what, what are the one-on-ones? Like, All right. Uh, necessities. Okay, well, uh, if you're going to a hot country, you need shorts. Obviously, mm -hmm. don't pack too many clothes because okay. you're going to be staying in hostels and stuff like that and they all have laundry or there's laundry service nearby. Okay. So don't, everybody packs like three weeks worth of of stuff when they go on a trip. Even if they're going to Cancun or something, right, right, they'll pack right, right. for three weeks as if they're going to shit themselves twice every, every single day after there. Yeah. You know? You don't need that. Enough for like four days and then you just do laundry again. So every that way you're, you're carrying light when it comes to clothes. You bring a change, mm -hmm. you bring a uh, change of shoes, some sock, a couple of pairs of socks, and that's it. Go because you're gonna accumulate stuff on that trip too. Okay. And you don't want to be carrying all that around. Four changes of clothes, two pairs of shoes, some socks. That's it. And commando, no underwear. Okay, bring yeah, okay, bring about four or five of those too, and then you set a couple what, bathing suits. What else? A toothbrush, toothpaste. Yeah, but all that stuff you can pick up. You can get. I you guess, can get all yeah. that there. That's mm -hmm. the thing, right? So what? Where did you did you plan everything spontaneously, or did you do your research in advance? I did some research. I knew um, most of what I wanted to do, like where I wanted to go, like the major mm -hmm. beats. So mm -hmm. I knew, okay, I was gonna hit Thailand. I knew I was gonna hit Singapore. I knew I was gonna hit. I wanted to hit Hong Kong. And mm -hmm. Korea, um, I was supposed to go to China for, for a month, but I didn't get approved for my visa so at the last minute, so I had to kind of rearrange mm -hmm. things a little bit. But I didn't figure out, I only had the major, major skeleton of it. I didn't figure out any of the actual meat of the trip until I was over there, because I wanted to leave it a little bit spontaneous. Okay. You know, so typically, so when I went there, I knew, okay, I'm spending four days in Singapore, and then I'm going to Kuala Lumpur. But I didn't plan anything 
that I was doing in Kuala Lumpur until I was at the airport ready to board the plane to Kuala Lumpur. Jeez. Basically to do that. I went in, I checked in at the airport, I sat in the gate, and that's when I did my research on the airport Wi-Fi. I'm like, so okay, I'm going to go here. just Google things to do in Kuala Lumpur? <laughs> kind of, yeah. I just went through a million different like travel blogs and stuff. Uh, I'm like, okay, what looks like it's very touristy, what looks like it's off the beaten path, because that's what I wanted. I didn't want to mm. hit all the tourist spots. I did hit a couple but yeah. like those colored steps and stuff that they yeah. got there but so um, three months is a long time though. Like it is it, did you get like homesick uh like a little bit i would i left during the height of the raptors playoffs okay and so i was watching the games on my ipad in, uh, on the shitty hostel wi-fi uh, gotcha, i gotcha. really really hated that i missed the hype that the city had right, during all right, that right, right. but other than that like i was still talking with like my friends over here and stuff uh keeping in touch with people keeping abreast of what was going on in everybody's lives mm-hmm. and back in the back and forth and looking with my family and stuff so i never really felt disconnected mm-hmm. so the homesickness didn't, didn't but it in. takes a certain level of um i don't know independence where you're comfortable with being by yourself yeah and i've always, been, I've always been meaning to go on a trip like that as well and then mm-hmm. some people are like wait why would you go on a trip by yourself and it's like you Man, don't understand but it's the best way to travel yeah and i guess you have a contrast point in terms of your previous yeah. trip and <laughs> yeah. I, i've had similar situations too when you're with bigger groups of people and you want to do something or yeah. there's certain scenarios and you're like this would have been a lot better if i was. <laughs> yeah never travel with more than one other person that's really? like my rule just yeah. one one person one person okay. that's it because then you get, it's easy to compromise right we do one thing one day for, for me you. one thing for you when there's like four people and they all want to do or, or more and they all want to do you different things things it gets real messy up. really fast mm-hmm. um, so what were the highlights of your trips uh i mean it was what's all, the, the biggest one it was all good that comes to mind. i really really loved hong kong Mm-hmm. Hong Kong was great. It sucks because I was there when I was there. It was when that very, very first protest happened. Mm-hmm. So it was cool because I got to actually talk to a lot of the people who were at that first protest mm-hmm. and kind of get their vibe on. And that's when they were telling me about like you know their five rule, their five things that they wanted to hit. They wanted the government to deal with and stuff, mm-hmm. the no extradition law and all that. They were kind of explaining it to me. So it was interesting to get like a very personal. I almost first-hand account on what they were going to be fighting for. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, right after I left, that's kind of when things escalated, right. and it got and it got pretty messy over there. Unfortunately, but that city is beautiful. Had an amazing culture. I had such a great time there, man. Crazy stories. There, uh, the craziest one would have been the protest, but I was at Disneyland that day, so I didn't actually get to see it. <laughs> Chinese yeah. Disneyland. Yeah, Hong Kong Disneyland. I was like, this is the closest I've ever been to a Disney park. I'm gonna go. <laughs> And it was dope. Meanwhile, some crazy cultural moment was happening across the bay, and I missed it. <laughs> but I heard about it the night of. They have they have this really wicked um, speakeasy culture there. Like right. uh, they have tons of hidden bars all over the city. Mm-hmm. I remember I, I went to one that was like, you go walk into like a British style like umbrella shop, mm-hmm. and then you go and you just say, hey, I want a table. And this lady at the counter, she just rings a, like a little like hotel bell on the counter, and mm-hmm. then you see like three oh, on the wall, like way over here four umbrellas like slide down and back like something out of a james bond movie and then the whole wall slides oh, back and then you go behind it and this is massive jazz club back there it's sick as i just went back there i struck up a conversation with a few people that was over there we just started pounding back drinks so and then ended up doing do a lot like of a bunch of speak english in, in hong kong yeah. yeah i didn't run into um unless i was somewhere somewhere very very rural mm. i didn't run into a, an issue with like the language pretty much anywhere oh that's that's good to know yeah even when we couldn't understand, like I, I could draw something out and we, we, mm. they could figure it out that way. Or I had like a Google Translate on my phone. I never mm. really, only once I think 
did it come up? And that's because I was in this really small place in Thailand mm-hmm. at this like little restaurant. And that oh, was it was a communication barrier. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It was um, it was awkward because we were at a restaurant and it came coming time to pay the bill and we couldn't actually f- communicate with each other to actually figure out how to pay it and stuff. Uh, so things got a little heated, but uh, yeah. Otherwise, I had no problem. It's dope. So what's the recommended amount of money to take on a trip like that? For Asia, yeah. uh, I found three months is a long time. Three months, so you can live, you can travel and live pretty easy over there. For like your dollar goes pretty far, so you could two grand a month, and you're living pretty good over there. Unless you hit like some places in China are really expensive. Mm-hmm. Hong Kong is really expensive, uh, and uh, Korea is pretty expensive as well. Mm-hmm. Taiwan I found was kind of mid range. And Singapore is basically like Toronto. Right. But everywhere else, if you're in Thailand, everything's really cheap over there. Mm-hmm. And same with like um, Malaysia and Indonesia and Vietnam and stuff. So mm-hmm. I, 2000 a month and, and you're, you're That's covered. actually pretty crazy when you put it into perspective because people pay 2000 for a week on an all-inclusive. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> so you can go to uh, Asia for a month. Yeah. A specific I've never understood the whole, I'm going to go to Cancun and chill on a resort for vacation. Like, I've never yeah. been on one of those trips and I've just never really gotten them. When I like to travel, I like to go and kind of immerse myself in the culture and right. not just hang out on I've a resort. I've been on too many trips where it's a resort, like bachelor parties and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm done. Yeah. Like I went on one trip to Colombia, um, Cartagena, Medellin, and mm-hmm. that was like a more cultural exploration one. And then when I got back from that, I was like the memories and the experiences I had on this trip, like compared to the resorts. Yeah. The resort is like it's almost like you have cheat codes enabled. Yeah. In this enclosed environment. Yeah, you just you drink, you swim. It's like you have like, unlimited you access to food, drinks. You can party. There's a beach. Yeah. But then after the third or fourth day, you're like, okay, this is probably how rich people feel. They <laughs> yeah. get bored. They're like, yeah. all right, what 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 else can I do outside of uh, yeah. eat, I just, sleep, I, party? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like like, I don't know why you want to go somewhere and not see how those people, the people who are there, live, mm-hmm. right? Or vice versa when they're coming here. Mm-hmm. And stuff. I feel like, like that's the most perspective shifting experience that you can have. Yeah. Like seeing how other people live and then comparing it to all the luxuries we have here. Yeah. And it's, I realized how privileged we are over here. Mm. But also, you know, everybody's pretty similar across the world. Like, mm. unless you're, like, in the window dressing is different. In, t- in terms of how they care themselves? Yeah. On a yeah, yeah. Level. I found everybody, you know, it's like once you actually just talk with, like, regular people over there, mm-hmm. they're, they all have the same want. They just want to laugh with their friends, take care of their kids, put have good food, and, mm. you know, and, and be comfortable. Did you come into any dangerous encounters? Because... Three months is a long time for a lot to happen. You know what? It's funny. I didn't... Well, I, I came into a couple of life-threatening situations. A uh, couple? Yeah, but they weren't, like... They were more nature-related. like related. Oh, okay. So, like, there was, I was in this place in Thailand. Mm-hmm. They have this kind of south-central Thailand. It's, it's south of Bangkok by, like, a few hours, but north of, like, Phuket and stuff. It's called... Um, oh, I'm blanking on the name. Uh... uh Khao Sok, okay. I think. It's it's basically like this. Uh, you know how Vietnam has um, Hao Long Bay. Okay. It's kind of like Thailand's version of it, and it's like this massive man-made lake. So we mm. went over there, and it was cool because you have to take this boat in for like two hours, basically, like this little dinghy that you're on, and they bring you up to these um, these traditional Thai huts that are like made out of bamboo and stuff that are floating on the water, just mm. like suspended. And we were staying there for like a couple nights. But the problem is 
the rainy season had just started mm. and uh so it was pouring pouring like rainforest tropical kind of rainstorm the entire time mm -hmm. but when you're over there if you booked a tour or anything you're taking that tour rain or shine okay so it was actually one of the coolest things i did uh because it was like i'm a guy raised on, Jane, on indiana jones so it was like the, my i get to live my dream basically mm -hmm. they took us on this tour of the jungle and we're sitting there and we're and it's pouring rain and we're trekking up vines and over hills and stuff and th down through rivers i gotta like carry my bag over my head like this as i'm like in waist high water and stuff in, like leech infested rivers and stuff like one guy got a oh uh, leech on his dick and really? the poor guy yeah he was bleeding for like the next two days because the leeches they have this like saliva or whatever that keeps the wound open mm. you're gonna puke <laughs> <laughs> on your dick yeah that's pretty brutal yeah I don't know. It's like it, right, right um, by it, like where the thigh and the dick okay, meet, basically. Okay. And uh, but yeah, so it keeps the wound open, so it keeps bleeding, so the, the leech can still eat. Still drink. Yeah. So yeah, the poor guy looked like he was bleeding for the rest of the the trip. The trip. And uh, yeah. luckily, I didn't get caught by one of those. But it was just mm. cool. We're just hiking through all this this trek. It feels very adventurous. Mm. And at the top, we get to this uh, the mouth of like the river into a cave. Mm -hmm. And they give us like the helmets with like the little light and stuff because we're gonna go splunking in it basically. Mm -hmm. And we get in, and again it's pouring, pouring rain the entire time. Mm -hmm. So we go into the cave. We, we're we're trekking through it for about a couple of minutes. And I remember I went through this one part, this like dip in it, that mm -hmm. was where the water was about just a, a little bit above my ankles. Okay. As we're walking in, and we keep walking, keep walking. Everybody's talking, and I'm closer to the back of the group and the tour guide's up at the front. Uh -oh. And all of a sudden, the people in front of me stop, almost like a cascade, like a domino. Mm. And, all, and, and we're all wondering what's going on. And then all of a sudden, we hear the tour guide go like, get back, everybody go, 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 get out, get out, get out, get oh, out. Oh, shit. And the water, apparently, because the rain, so much water had built up in the cave from the, uh, from the rain, it was filling up right. really, really fast. So right. that area that was up, where the water was up to my uh, shins, when I doubled back through it, it was now up past my belly button. Oh, that's fuck. And that was maybe a couple minutes, mm. right? So we're all booking it to try and get out there before getting trapped. And How far in like, were you guys in the cave? We were we were about like eight minutes in, okay. but it only took us about four to get back out. Right, right. That's still pretty crazy. Yeah. And we were this close to be showing up on the news. Oh, my Elon God. Elon would have had to show up with his submarine to save us. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that, uh, so we all kind of ran out of there, caught our breath. And that's when the tour guide decides to tell us, oh, yeah, we should have been a little bit more careful. Like, nine people have died in there. Like, so. Yeah, that, that's on the tour guide for taking him into <laughs> yeah. a cave when it's pouring out. I will say that it was probably one of the most memorable parts of the trip and oh. one of the most fun. <clears throat> so uh, I'm kind of thankful for that. And then the next day, I almost got lost in a bat cave as well and lost my tour. So that, that was pretty you rough. You almost day. got lost in what sense? Like, uh, like so the caves there, the, the cave systems are all winding and you're climbing up over like stalagmites and stalactites and stuff. Yeah. And it's very easy to lose your way because there's like one path through that'll get you from the entrance to mm -hmm. the deep point. So and it's a maze essentially. Basically, yeah. And uh, I was there, there was a bunch of kids that were like 19, 20 that were there. And because I'm like 28, mm -hmm. I just got it in my head. I was like, okay, I got to you know help them out and, right. and you know parent a little bit and uh we were all hanging back while the tour guide went back up uh to take everybody back out and some people had gone further in than i had so i was just waiting mm -hmm. for everybody to come out to just make sure that every nobody got left behind mm -hmm. but then as we were going out one of the kids um took a wrong turn and we ended up getting lost in there for about 25 minutes before we mm -hmm. finally found our way back out yeah 
and managed to squeeze through like a rock, hop over a thing that we weren't supposed to hop over and end up getting yeah. back onto the path that we needed to to get back out Jeez. before they left us. So there was a tour guide on this one too? Or yeah. yeah, they don't give a shit they over don't there, care. man. They yeah. don't care. Yeah, it reminds me of like Cuba when we went scuba diving. Same thing. The tour guys don't care. No, no, no. it was cool though. I actually I got my scuba license while I was over there too. Yeah, which is super fun. I love. Yeah, I was it. about to ask you, have you you've done scuba diving, uh, just when you went to Asia? Just that's when I got my license. I spent okay. about three days in Phuket doing my certification. So mm -hmm. now I can go down to uh, eighteen meters, I think. Eighteen meters. Yeah. yeah. Scuba diving is scary too. Like it is, and I'm not a great swimmer. So, uh -oh. yeah, but it was super, once you're in there, once you get the hang of it, I think, and you mm -hmm. learn not to like panic, you know? Well, that's the thing. It's like you, when your mind starts to comprehend where you are, <laughs> yeah. it's hard not to freak out and like hyperventilate. And, yeah. But then you see like a fish go by and you're like, wow, I would have never seen this otherwise, yourself, right? Yeah. And the uh, tanks are pretty heavy too. I didn't. When we got the backpack with the Oh yeah, oxygen, when you're up on the boat. When you're up on the boat trying to get in, it's heavy as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And that coming in and out of the water. So. <laughs> yeah. I remember my first time. It took like two guys on the boat to yeah. yank me out of the yeah. water and get me up. I don't think people realize how, how heavy those things are. Yeah, it's as very well. tiring. Mm. As, did you get do any current, any like uh, scuba diving through like the currents and stuff? No, no, no. When we went, uh, this was a while back, we went to Cuba. Mm -hmm. And we did it like off of a bootleg tour guide. Right, right. So we charged us like a lot less, but it was a lot less safe at the same time <laughs> so at one point it's just three of us like me and my cousin one of my other buddies and um the tour guide takes us and we we went probably not deep at all maybe five meters ten meters mm -hmm. and then uh we would have to follow the tour guide and at one point my cousin he like split off and started doing his own thing and we're looking around like where is this guy and the tour that's when the tour guide like yeah. snaps he's like, okay like where's the other guy we're like mm. and you're in the water so you're like mm. yeah so we surfaced which is not what you're supposed to do like all of a sudden yeah, then he, fast, he was like almost a kilometer away surfaced as well he had gotten caught <clears throat> no he just was distracted by oh. fishes and stuff and like lost us i, guess. I remember the second day that i went uh the specific thing that because usually you'll do like two dives in a day right mm -hmm. Uh, uh, I remember the second one, he, they specifically dropped us off where there was a water current. Mm -hmm. So the idea there is that you're supposed to uh, just kind of go with the current. The current That's takes you wherever. Well. It kind of is. And again, <laughs> as, a, as a, someone who was never not a great swimmer, right. it was terrifying because I felt like when I... When the, the instructor or whatever would go off somewhere, I had to sit there and force myself oh, against like, the current to try and get to where he was. Otherwise, I'd be carried off somewhere way over there and everything. It was... It's so tiring. It's mm. it's exhausting trying yeah. to, to get against what, the current. What happens when you run out of energy and <laughs> while you're submerged? You go limp and you just let it take you <laughs> wherever it's going to go, basically. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised you guys didn't get the bends from surfacing as fast as you did. Because you got to go up we, and like, we you got to We didn't go too yourself, fast, right? but yeah, I've heard horror stories in that regard. Yeah. Of, it took me a while to figure out how to like do the proper... like. Um, was it equalize or whatever uh, mm -hmm. uh, in your ears and stuff? It took me a little bit to get the hang of that. Uh, so there was a lot of times where I was afraid I was going to blow my eardrums and stuff. Right. But once I got the hang of it, it's, all you got to do is just blow into your nose with the nose. Blow into your nose, but it's also dangerous if you're not used to it or if you have too much earwax, apparently. Oh, really? Because apparently it compresses everything and you can, I guess, it shoves everything and packs it in there. Right. I didn't fuck up my eardrums from scuba diving, but we were diving into cenotes. Mm -hmm. And I'm 
like from like pretty high, like it's like ten meters, fifteen meters. There's like different levels. Right. And we went, jumped through the highest one, and I dived in like pretty deep, mm -hmm. and my eardrums were kind of like. Oh yeah, because that first ten, that first ten meters in the water is like yeah. where the biggest pressure changes apparently. So. So that entire night, my eardrums were killing me, yeah. and I didn't know why. Like my ears, they didn't know why, but then I did research and like yeah, whatever earwax you had is like deep inside. They're all compact, so you need to like. You have to go to doctors to flesh it out? Uh, I, well, I had to... I don't remember what I did. I was, like, pouring hot water in it just to, like, mm -hmm. release whatever it was. But the next day, I was fine. Yeah. So, what are the highlights from that trip? Because you must have plenty of stories. Like, what, what do you recommend, like, in terms of all the places that you had planned on going to? What's the highly rec oh. the most recommended? So, uh, Bali. Bali? That's where I ended the trip. That wasn't originally going to be on part of the plan. That was kind of something that I added because uh, uh, I was going to go to Korea mm -hmm. and get a tattoo from an artist that I follow on Instagram, which I ended up doing, but I was going to do that and then go to China and then end my trip in China and come back because I didn't get the visa. I then had basically a month of my three-month trip that I hadn't accounted for, mm -hmm. so I, I decided to move things around. That's when I decided to add, I went to Taiwan. I added that in there, which Ta Taiwan's really cool. This is dope. There's this town called uh, Jufan, mm -hmm. which is uh, about an hour, two-hour bus ride outside of uh, Taipei. Mm -hmm. And it basically looks like, if you've ever seen Spirited Away, mm -hmm. it looks like the hotel from that is what this town is. So at night, it's beautiful. Just red lanterns everywhere and That's stuff, and like traditional tea houses and stuff. That's sick. And then um, from there, I went to Korea, and Seoul is amazing. And also mm -hmm. one of the, the best hikes that I've ever had in my entire life was there. Seoul, Korea? Yeah, there's an island south of Seoul called Jeju, and they have a dormant volcano that's there. And the hike is exhausting, but so fulfilling when you get to the top. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool if you like, like, kind of hikes and being out and about and stuff. Mm -hmm. But then Bali is just like, man, that place is paradise. It's just nothing but sun for two weeks. Relaxing? So relaxing. Yeah. That, that's where it was like the resort how long, kind of thing. How long were you there for? About... Two weeks. Two weeks. So you had two weeks to decompress from your three months. Essentially. Like two and a half month journey. Yeah. If I came, if I had come straight back after like Korea or something and I'd gone straight mm -hmm. to work, I would have been just as exhausted as when I left. Those last mm -hmm. two weeks were where I did nothing but sit on the beach and eat frozen yogurt and, and uh, just tan was the most relaxing part. And that's what really allowed me to de-stress. Right. Um, that's also where the third kind of life-threatening thing happened. Cause to tell. <laughs> <laughs> so they, uh, it, there's monkeys all over the place over there, right? <laughs> there's, uh, if you go to this place, this uh, part in, in Bali called Ubud, which is like a lot of beautiful temples and stuff, they have mm -hmm. these, um, this, they have an, an actual monkey sanctuary there. Mm -hmm. And those guys, they just kind of wander around the town too. And they're basically like little gangs. And like, I didn't run into any trouble with anybody while I was there. I didn't cross anybody I it's didn't no mugging everyone was like oh you can get mugged or whatever I didn't get nothing All right. I was fine I got along well with everybody these monkeys man they came at me <laughs> they wanted my frozen yogurt so bad they uh, literally surrounded me one I'm I swear to god basically picked up a bottle and was ready to stab me what with it. the fuck yeah and all I could do was I was so intimidated I just had to give it to him and back up slowly All right. and then after that a couple days later I almost got my eyes clawed out by one. Oh my god yeah uh we were at, there's this island that we did like a day trip to and uh i don't know if you've ever seen let me see i actually just looked at a photo of it there's a like it's this really famous famous beach uh that you've probably seen in photos where it's like steps that go down into and it's kind of like a crescent shape okay. and there's like a beach at the bottom okay and it's a super precarious like 
like you have to take like a thousand steps to get down and they're all basically just loose rocks okay. and shit and it takes like three hours to get down there three hours basically oh, most of the shit. people who go down end up staying, staying the night on the beach they don't come back up until the next day mm -hmm. but i didn't have time to do that because i was only there for the day so i was just kind of sitting there with my camera taking photos taking photos mm -hmm. and we uh and i couldn't get the angle that i wanted so i decided i was going to go up over here where there's this tree and I was gonna walk over and I was because it was a better angle and I'm just sitting there taking photos for like a couple minutes and the person I was with uh, she turns to me is like oh you're really calm considering the uh, considering what's going on right now and I'm like what's going on she's like, there's a monkey right there and I turn and I look and there's a monkey on a branch literally right here right mm. by my face and um, we lock <laughs> eyes and that's a big no-no for primates All right. uh, that's a serious act of aggression right, right, right. basically and it was literally like a cartoon where, them. basically and it was like a cartoon where we were both like staring at each other downfound because i don't think he had noticed Fuck. me either because he because i had my face in the camera all right and we're staring at each other and we kind of like blink for like a beat and then all of a sudden he just like hisses at me and he starts clawing at my eyes and i had to pull like some mike tyson slip to oh, get up shit. from under him and but yeah i almost i almost lost a chunk of my face to that mm. what but, kind of monkeys are there in bali I don't know what the type they're called. They're like yeah. little guys. They, they look like I'll look pretty it standards. Up. Yeah. <laughs> I'd pull up a phone, but then the viewers couldn't see it. Right. But, um, they're, yeah, they're small, but, man, they're vicious. They're mean. I saw some, saw them rob so many people, mm. especially the tourists at the monkey, at the, uh, monkey sanctuary. Mm -hmm. This lady, they all swarmed at her just so they could get all the Oreos that were in her backpack. Oh, man. Yeah, she was freaking the fuck There's a out. bunch of videos online where they take, in India as well, yeah. like they literally take people's phones and then they ask you to trade for something. Yeah, that's all like true. They'll, run, they'll run up a building and be like, they'll just st stand there with your phone until you give them something that's worthy of them to give you your phone back. Yeah. Um, frozen yogurt, <laughs> if they ever steal your phone in Bali, that's the way to get it back. Yeah, I'd fight a monkey, and this was a chimpanzee. No, 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 no. <laughs> These guys were small, but man, yeah, they get you in numbers. That's true. So, travel, yes. Opening the eyes, shifting perspective. Do you do anything in regards to, I don't know, mindfulness, journaling, meditation? A little bit, here and there. Um, once I got back from the... One thing I started last year was I started kind of keeping a journal because I found it. I found that um, just writing out even just the day's events, mm -hmm. I found it was just like a nice way to, one, get your, get your eyes away from the screen at the end right. of the night and yeah. kind of de-stress. And I found it, it was good to kind of get things out of my system. Mm -hmm. And then... And I was doing that while I was overseas as well, and I found mm -hmm. that really helpful. Uh, I do meditate a little bit, but I'm a little inconsistent with it. But as honestly, the, the travel was the big yeah. thing. Because yeah. I came back, I met so many interesting people <clears throat> while I was over there that I, it came, I came back with a lot of different perspective on a lot of things. Yeah. So what would you say your greatest epiphany moment on those travels was? I said everybody's literally exactly the same. the same. Everybody that I met, I was like, okay, that's my dad. That's my ah, mom. I, I have a cousin exactly like that. You know, that's this friend that I have. That's this friend that I have. It's, it was very much, you know. It's actually pretty crazy. I, I've noticed that as well in terms of when you start meeting mass amounts of people. Yeah. You're like, this person is like, they're cut from the same cloth as. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, all the differences are just window that's, dressing. That's dope, yeah. yeah. It's just culture, ideologies, all that kind of stuff that kind of mask yeah. the true nature of who someone is. Yeah, you wash all that away and you realize everybody's more or less the same. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was it. And it was just interesting that talk to different people from different perspectives i've met so many people that were like when i asked them why they were on the trip they were like oh yeah i was tired of my job so i quit it and i don't know what i'm doing now but i'm just gonna travel for a while so and find searching. myself exactly yeah. so many people like that and then i also just met weird people like interesting people like i met a guy who designs nukes for submarines 
and nukes. stuff like yeah like bombs yeah so that was that was an interesting heated conversation at the hostel bar that one night but <clears throat> how are the hostels like are they uh, you can go to shitty ones well kept shitty yeah or... you do a little bit of research yeah, but they're still super cheap you right. can do like uh like i was spending like 15 bucks a night and i'd be in a room maybe with four other people and they were always mm. really clean like nice places for like 30 bucks a night 40 bucks a night you get your own private room in them and mm -hmm. it's basically like a five-star hotel here like mm -hmm. it was super super nice right and then they all have they're all community hubs for tourists and for locals too so mm -hmm. typically every single one that i went to had like a really nice bar so there was always a party going on at night and mm -hmm. it was cool because then you could you go out and explore during the day and during the evening and stuff go a bit of night <clears> and then you come back to the hostel and you can kind of meet all the meet talk to all the people that you met maybe at breakfast and stuff and and kind of just discuss what all the different cool shit that you did and make plans for the next day that's everyone dope. just gets drunk and and shoots the shit and has a good time that's dope so what's next up on your travel list uh well this year i've always uh i've realized that i haven't seen enough of canada mm -hmm. so in about a month i'm gonna go to halifax and and explore the east coast for a little bit and mm -hmm. i think later this year i'm gonna go to vancouver mm -hmm. and then the next big one i'm gonna I, i've got planned is argentina next year and then i have another massive three-month one kind of in the works but that one's a couple years away dope dope yeah. so i'd ask you a general question that i usually ask most people in sure. terms of uh but you already answered it so <laughs> uh it's in regards to like what gets you up in the morning but you've kind of made it clear that you becoming as like you said growing yeah. different aspects of life becoming the strongest version of yourself is what i usually say mm -hmm. um man that's like the best way to look at things and but no dope dope i appreciate your time um, and we covered a lot of subjects i'm sure people will find some things very helpful as far as the animation industry goes oh and yeah travel open your eyes we get so tangled in this little concrete jungle yeah and it does become very black and white after a while especially when you get into a very redundant routine mm -hmm. um and then yeah when you go to other places like that's one thing about toronto that i've noticed is like it's very concrete right when you go to other places and you see like rolling hills and like um yeah more nature you realize how tiny and insignificant you are when it comes to the grand scheme of things yeah. and it's hard to get that uh, realization when you're in the city. I think it's super important as creatives to um, to sometimes put the pencil down <clears> and <throat> go mm -hmm. out and, and find something new because all that stuff is going to create, allow you to inspire you to create new stories and new pieces of work and just kind of get your creative juices flowing again. Too often if we're mm -hmm. drawing the same thing over and over again, right, right, right. you know, we lose that drive. So finding time to get away and, and explore somewhere new, it's all going to feed back into your work. Balance, work, work, work. Charge, Play. charge, charge. Yeah. Keep the loop going. Don't burn yourself out. Mm -hmm. It's hard not to burn yourself out in the city, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, my brother. Much right. appreciated. Thanks, Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having All me. All right. Peace.